You're listening to the Platte River Bard. This will be our next installment of our interviews with some of the cast and crew of Our Town, which opened April 13th and runs through April 24th at the Nebraska Repertory Theater. Our guests today are Craig Wurz, who is the composer of The Score of Our Town, and Charlie Alterman, Music Supervision and Arrangement. Craig Wurz is the managing partner of MediaStorm and is a pioneer in the music and media business. He has been recognized by AdAge as a media maven for building one of the most successful companies in America, and he also writes music for various artists. Mr. Wars first wrote the score for Our Town with director Feinsod while attending Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, and has made revisions to the score for this production of Our Town. Charlie Alterman most recently served as music consultant and vocal coach for the NBC series Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and the Roku original movie Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas. His Broadway work includes being the music director for the Tony Award-winning revival of Pippin, as well as the Broadway productions of Next to Normal, Godspell, and Martin Short, Fame Becomes Me. Mr. Alterman's other Broadway credits include associate conductor for Legally Blonde. He has toured the U.S. and Canada with his work. We hope you'll enjoy hearing the stories of each of these talented artists as much as we did. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here today with Craig Wurz and Charlie Alterman, the composer and music supervision and arrangement, respectively. Thank you guys very uh, thank much, you so much for talking with us today. Yes, thank you. It is Absolutely. such a privilege to have you on our podcast. I'm so excited about it. Yes, indeed. And they are, uh, like I said, there's composer and uh, the music supervisor and arranger of our town, yeah. which the Nebraska rep is putting on right now, and which yep. we got to see we on, it Wednesday. on Wednesday. Oh, no it was fantastic. fantastic. Just a couple fantastic. seats away from you. Excellent <laughs> job, by the way. Uh, congratulations on the production. Yes. Thank, Thank you so much. So much. Um, and I, I'm just going to start off with this. Yeah. Uh, right to you guys. How did how did it come about that you were able to write music for yeah. our town. Yeah, it's actually... How does that happen? I was blown away when Andy first mentioned that. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on, what? Yeah, it's actually <laughs> a, really, it's a really good question. Um, I went to Trinity College, and um, I wanted to do something really different for my senior uh, project, which my major essentially was composition in the context of the theater. So oh, I wanted okay. to write for television. I wanted to do film. And I thought starting with live production would be a really great way in given that we didn't have those departments so our town really touched me you know growing growing up watching the world get faster and faster and faster and uh, really aligning to the line that emily says you know in the back half and the third act that does anyone really realize life while they live it Mm -hmm. so that that attachment to me uh, was deep and so uh, I started writing music for the play and realized really quickly, wait a minute, I actually need approval to put this up. <laughs> so, I need permission. Yeah, I need, need permission. <laughs> and, you know, so I had to put together a three-song sample for the Wilder Foundation yeah. to yeah. actually review the music and accept me as a composer, which I believe there were only two others. 
um, wow. that had been given the permission, and we got the permission. Wonderful. So that wow. was the sort of backdrop to why and then the how piece as well. So we, we rechecked that that was in perpetuity, and it is, and so we're, we're in a great spot. So Holy this cow. is kind of a rewrite of the original score that you did. Yeah, there were there were twelve songs in the original, so it was more they? Of a, okay. a backdrop to specific scenes and yeah. uh, now in we're working thirty five, I think. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I gotta say, there's music all through. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in working with Charlie, you know, Charlie wow. really elevated, you know, my vision of this as opposed to it just being what it was in college, which was or songs that happened to be attached to scenes without timing. Charlie's come in and oh, given his background okay. of being able to attach timing and be able to ta- re- restructure music and really connect emo- emotively, emotionally to the music itself. To really kind of think of it as film scoring and say, okay, you know, rather yeah. than like, here's a mood, here's this section really aligns with this section of dialogue. Exactly. So let's add bars or remove bars to make sure that that times out. Let's work with the actors on their timing to make sure that we're aligning that, you know, our sections. Um, And it was a lot of trial and error. It's interesting. There were some songs that you had written for other spots that we felt weren't working. So we kind of put them in a like, let's just put this in a pile. And then suddenly we're reading another scene. I'm like, wait, go back to that thing. And we tried it out and we would all get chills and say, it's perfect. It's like it was always written for this spot. So it's it's really amazing. It's been a lot of distilling down the essence of each scene and making sure that the music is supporting exactly what's happening so that it helps the audience along the journey too to, and hopefully helps the actors, which I think it does. It totally does. And I, and I would never have made those decisions. You know, I wrote a song for the what we call Breakfast. Okay. And in college, it was kind of a, a song that, that was very slow, very uh, emotional. Mm-hmm. When really there's just this fast mm-hmm. patter going on on stage, and Charlie's like, "This doesn't fit." I'm like, "Well, the intention was, but wait a minute, it fits on the key scene that you started writing the play for." So, oh, wonderful! And as soon as we dropped it there, it was like, "Oh, this is this is now like the emotional crux. It's the it, the musical crux. It's everything all yeah. firing together." So you don't normally do this kind of thing. Then you're you're busy yeah. with other things. Yeah, usually. it's funny. I'm, I would call the music for me a bookend in terms of my career. Yeah. So I started in music, um, and I was in a band for 17 years, uh, touring for seven of those years as a, as a writer mm-hmm. and a pianist in a in a band that that went Maine to Georgia Wednesday through yeah. Sunday. Oh wow. wow! And you know, then wanted to have a family. Sounds and, fun. Actually. Uh, yeah, it was great, it was great fun. <laughs> Sounds great like a lot fun. of fun. <laughs> um, and so you know, I put writing pop rock music to the side and mm-hmm. started went behind the scenes and started a uh, media and marketing agency promoting TV shows and film, mm-hmm. and stayed attached through shows like Glee and American Idol, um, and got to kind of be a behind the scenes person in entertainment and then when I got a phone call from Arthur Feinsod, the director, to say, hey, maybe we should put this back up. Yeah. You've always wanted to revisit it. Yeah. I've got an opportunity at Nebraska Rep. Are you open? And they were so I'm 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 back doing this and I and I love it. So, yeah. you know, I'm ending my, you know, my time in the agency world and so or I should say changing it. And so now I, yeah. I'm back and I've, I've been able to really align with partners like Charlie that allow me to uh, learn 
And I think that's great at this point in life is actually to learn something new, applying what I think I do best, which is bring passion through music. So what's next on the horizon for you then? I think this. This. Yeah, this is step one of many steps. Wonderful. Ah. Very good. Yeah. And so you have to you have to direct all of this and, and interpret each scene um, musically and help the actors connect to it. Am Absolutely. I correct? In, no, that's in, exactly okay. right. We sort of built it. Um, I was at the piano and I had all the music and I would sort of just try and connect with the actors emotionally and pace the music al- along with the scenes and say, okay, how does this fit? How does that fit? Let's get some markers in the music so that hopefully we can repeat this experience and do it again yeah, yeah so the um, rehearsal process was real important for this especially for you and the music and getting oh, it timed absolutely. with the actors because i've built a few new shows that had a lot of underscoring so it was sort of familiar territory for me you know um i think it's been interesting to watch the way that you know broadway shows have evolved where i think music has become more and more a part of them i'm a big Even fan tri- of underscoring yeah me too i think it because it's like mm-hmm. film scoring i actually heard a woman yeah. in the audience mm-hmm. at our first preview and she put it perfectly. I was like, this goes on the poster. She was like, anytime you watch a movie or a TV show, there's music underneath that helps you understand the emotion and helps take you on the journey. But plays almost never do. No. Or they'll have music for a scene change, but it's never under the, under the dialogue. Right. Yeah. And she was like, why not? This makes so much more sense. So yeah. it's, it's been really thrilling. I, I love it. And I, I thought it added... I, I thought it because I've seen the play without music, and then I've seen the movie that that had you know the the, right. the famous score in it. Mm-hmm. But seeing it without anything in it, and now seeing your guys's version, I don't think I can go back and see one that doesn't have music in it <laughs> it's now. Nice. It's it's gonna it's Thanks. gonna feel like it's it's missing, <laughs> missing something absolutely. now. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it really does. I I got, I got attached to it really quickly. And and one of the things that I did enjoy is, is some people might think it could, because it's not a musical and it's not like there's music constantly playing in the background. It is very much like a film score where sometimes you have music, but also one of the things about a good composer and somebody who's putting music to stuff is to know when to not Oh, absolutely. Have we had, we had music. many discuss- We were very intentional and specific about yeah. what needed music and what didn't. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it also evolved over time. We started with our first instincts of what are the key things that really need and want music. But then you sort of go through it and you think, okay, once it's part of the show, it also can't disappear forever. So there were huge chunks of the show yeah. that initially didn't have music, and then we're thinking you can't. Our ears have adjusted to hearing the music, you so hear it. yeah. it's sort of the analogy I used was um, a legendarily Jerry Zachs, the director, would sit in the back of the house in previews of his shows, and he would with a stopwatch, and he would time the amount of space in between laughs. Um, and he was like, we've gone too long without a laugh. We've got to find a joke on this page. You know, when he was doing comedies. <laughs> oh wow! And it's not exactly an ana- the perfect analogy, but it's. It's a similar phenomenon yeah. here where it's like, okay, if we typically don't go more than two or three pages without music, then let's find a spot in this next section that could use, even if it's just a little something, just a little. Mm-hmm. you know, which is where we came, mind. you know, so sometimes the things were less, you know, heartfelt emotion, but it might just be an awkward emotion, you know, <laughs> or it might be, here's a bunch of information. So here's just some little like newsroomy kind of like, you know what I mean? So we found the spots to kind of pepper it with life. Um, but it's, that was a really exciting part of the exploration yeah. as well. And, and not putting music in just to have music. Exactly. exactly. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of where, you know, for me in terms of the, the learning process of being attached to something, revisiting it, and then kind of revisiting it with new eyes, but also, you know, a new partnership when working with Charlie is like, well, wait a minute, why? 
Yeah. If you can't answer the why, right. why does this go here? Yeah. Then it probably shouldn't, you know. And so that that's very disciplined, because yeah, it's doing everything put, with yeah. intention. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there were we would get in discussions sometimes where I was like, I don't know about this string line here. I think it's going to be too big under the sea. And Craig's like, but I love it. Listen to it. I'm like, let's do it with the dialogue. And then he's like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, you know, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. Charlie played twelve characters, yeah. by the way, <laughs> <laughs> reading in. <laughs> Sitting there reciting all the lines and playing everything all at the same time. 100%. Trying to time everything out. Now, you've had quite a bit of experience. More recently, of course, you've worked on TV on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Of course, we're talking, when I say you, I mean Charlie. Of course, you, you can't see me gesturing to him right now. But I am gesturing to Charlie. Uh, and, of course, you've done a lot of stuff on Broadway. You've been the musical director. And I've, I had a couple, some, some friends who saw this, actually, and they went on and on about it. Musical director for the revival of Pippin. Oh, which yeah. was so phenomenal. Which is actually where Craig and I met. Oh, yeah. and you guys met on Pippin. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. yeah, my son uh, played the role of Theo, the little boy, ah. uh, and I, I got to watch the show to see Ashton play in the show, and I'm like, wow, there's there's the the music director and the pianist sitting essentially on top of the pit. <laughs> yeah, the we, had, we had a really strange setup there because <laughs> it was a, a smaller theater than they wanted, but it was kind of all that was available, so they just okay. were like, we got to come into Broadway. So there's a pit. Uh, it's a, a theater that sometimes is used for musicals and sometimes is used for plays. So they have a cover okay. that can go over the pit to add more rows of seats. Oh, right. Okay. And they basically mm -hmm. said, well, we can't get rid of those seats. Oh. So I was like, this is crazy. So, okay, we'll do a remote band, which is not ideal because I'm watching on the monitor. But then the director was like, no, but Charlie, you're such a big part of the show. You interact with the cast. We have to have you there. So they just took six seats away. Oh for a place for a piano for me. And it was literally about three inches away from audience members. Oh it was my hysterical. Wow. Um, I mean, that was a struggle. I loved being able to have the connection with the cast, but I missed the connection with the band because I just couldn't see them. You couldn't yeah. get to, yeah. It was all, you know, two-way video monitors. I had a video to see if they were there. So the top of the show, I could say, yeah, everyone's here. We can start. <laughs> okay, cool. Band's I had here. like, you know, a security camera. I had like my nanny cam of the band. <laughs> yes. But um, there was no way to That's make awesome. eye contact with someone. So, you know, I'm just pointing at a camera waving my hand and hoping that people are watching. Oh so every gosh. now and then there'd be like, you know, maybe a trumpet sub in and they'd miss a big fanfare and the actors are like, what happened to that fanfare? It's like, well, I moved my hand. <laughs> I, went, I did this. <laughs> if I could have seen him uh, and known that he was out to lunch, I could give him a pss, pss, you know, but all I can do is just hope. So that That's was awesome. intense. That was intense. But it was that was a great experience, that that production. And that show had a ton of underscoring. Uh, which was not in the original. Diane Paulus, the director, really was interested in okay. keeping music throughout almost all of it. Yeah. So, And we built that over a, a very long rehearsal process. So that was really when I started gaining experience with this world of putting underscoring under things and trying again and talking about the intention of the scene and marrying it with, right. you know, putting pauses in the music where there's a pause in the dialogue. And, yeah. it's, you know, another thing we talked about, too, a lot was kind of unlocking how the how the scenes work in terms of the actor experience sometimes the music shifts and that's the drive sometimes the music comes in and we know that that's their heart starting to do something and then the line becomes the expression and sometimes the line changes the scene oh, and then the yeah. music has to follow mm. so i tried to be very specific with us about those moments and you know hmm. making it all line up have you ever done anything quite like this before not exactly like this. I've done a lot of elements of it. You yeah. know, like I said, Pippin had a lot of underscoring. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was a similar world. Uh, but this is, you know, a first. 
in a lot of ways, and it's exciting. I think mm. I think we're starting to see more music in in straight plays, and I love it. I'm always in favor favor of it. I'd mm-hmm. love to see it too, for sure. I'm a big fan. Because originally it wasn't written with music, but it was written when it went to film with music. Is that how I understand it? Yes and no. What's interesting with a lot of these the plays of this generation is it's. There, because there always was some music in it. There are hymns that you know. There's choir practice down yeah. the so. Right. There's always been an element of music, um, but I've noticed because I also did a production once of The Matchmaker years ago, uh, another Thornton Wilder play of this of a similar era, and in the script it says that you know when the orchestra finishes the overture and you're like, what orchestra? What overture? What are we? Where are we? You know, I, I think plays at that time often did have music in them that was just kind of uncredited, kind of you know. Aww. Um, and there's a reference like the Harmonia Garden scene, and then the roving violinist comes in with the so- as the orchestra changes to this new song, and it's, again, it's what violinist, what song, where is this music, oh, wow. okay. who wrote it, how do we get it? So now it seems like any production that's doing the matchmaker either scraps that or has to hire a new composer and figure it out anew. So it it's not totally new, but I'm guessing it wasn't throughout in the way that we've put it in throughout. Way, it wasn't film scoring, it was it, yeah. little moments and bursts of music and probably very bored musicians in the pit with a lot of time on their hands wow. to just sit around. <laughs> but but how, how bad that is for them to kind of go uncredited if they, if they did do a good job. Correct. I mean, you never would know. Although I've noted, I think credits in general have evolved. It's like when you watch movies yeah. from the 40s and it's, you know, 30 yeah. seconds at the end and it's basically the cast, the director, the cinematographer, bye. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's Now we have, you know, a five-page scroll and you know, you yeah. have the name mm-hmm. of one driver who worked one day to pick someone up at the airport and they've got to have their name <laughs> on the credits. get a credit, you know, yep. Everyone's listed except... Of course, the musicians who play on it, but that's another story for me. Yeah, and then there's that part. That's true. <laughs> you get all the animators, but not the musicians. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, uh, we got to see this, like I said, on Wednesday. And uh, for, for my money, I think you guys really just nailed it yeah. with Thank the music. I, so I think it, as far as the marriage of, of the play and the music together, I, I was talking with Sean a little earlier. It didn't feel, feel like... No, everything felt like it went together. It didn't feel like, oh, well, this, they added this, you know, yeah, or whatever, or a lot. Yeah. everything. And, and, and like you said, um, and, 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 and I'm a bit of a soundtrack nerd, so I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to this stuff. And, and, and like you said, sometimes the lines will drive the music. Sometimes the music drives the feelings. Sometimes it's both together. And it's such, it's, it's so well done. Well done is what I'm trying to say. So so very well done. And And I would say too, and I'm a giant soundtrack nerd who listens for this stuff. So thank you. I really appreciate it. It really means a lot because you really know what you're talking about. Yeah. I will say the working with the cast was invaluable too, because we worked a lot in a vacuum in New York you know, with me reading 12 parts and having ideas and this is what I think it is and calling the director and saying, okay, get on FaceTime with us and let's try the scene and are we doing the right thing here? But as soon as we brought, you know, real live actors into the room and we, we could bounce ideas back and forth with them and make sure that it was all working in harmony because ideally, you know, we, and we would say this to the cast too, it's like this should always be helping your process as an actor in the scene yeah. and if it's ever not, flag it and we'll change it, you know? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it should never feel like, as the actor, you're fighting with the music. It should always feel like the music is enhancing what you're already doing or give, yeah. or fueling you yeah. or giving and, you something to work with in the scene. And that perspective yeah. is not something you're guaranteed with the director to have a full uh, support of. And I think Arthur's Absolutely. just been, from the beginning, he's just been an open book to accomplishing his vision of this play. But 
it's so open to everything, literally. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't know Charlie. He knew me. Okay, right. And, you know, all of a sudden, Arthur has been just this, you know, he wants the best for what is the sort of the common outcome of what you just said, which is it felt right. Yes. Um, and he's so he's been a beautiful collaborator, very open to ideas, very, you know, and not afraid to speak his mind about what he loves and what he doesn't love yeah. and what's working, but really smart and insightful. And I mean, he's like a scholar about this play. I think he yeah. knows more about our town than almost any human being mm-hmm. alive. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we spent yeah. some time with him. We got to spend some time with him. Good Lord. I think we got to talk to him all afternoon. Oh, absolutely. About so you knew Arthur first, right? Yeah. You knew Arthur yeah. and then Andy Park had worked with Arthur. That's right. He's the link. So, okay. And then, and then you knew him. So that's how that all worked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. How we all came to, came Absolutely. to be in Lincoln. Yeah. Absolutely. You find great people, you run, you know, a notion by them and that's, it's just been a connected way of working. And I mm-hmm. think that's been, you know, just awesome. And again, yeah. none of these are guaranteed to work. You know, I mean, exactly. yeah. I saw Charlie for like probably I saw him on stage over 200 times, but I also, you know, didn't know Charlie personally, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think the rapport we've built, the rapport I've had with Arthur, Absolutely. it just and then Andy's support, Andy and Christina's yeah. support of the show. We were supposed yeah. to go up during the quarantine. Before. Yes. And so, um, you know, I mean, they stayed committed to this. Yeah, and I that, remember. You know, they really that, wanted to do this for sure. A hundred percent, and I think that's huge when you talk about Nebraska reps' commitment to their promises. Mm-hmm. I'll continue to say that that's this is an honorable and and very very exciting, uh, you know, group of people to work with. Yeah, well, we are so honored to meet both of you. Really, yes, thank you it's very, very much. Thanks. Very exciting for us to to meet people who have worked on Broadway and have written scores and all of that. That's just amazing to us. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Absolutely, it's yeah. thrilling to be here. Thank you very much, Craig Wurz. I'll get it right one of these days. And Charlie Alterman, thank you very much. And the play is Our Town at the Nebraska Repertory Theater. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Our Town is directed by Arthur Feinsod and dedicated to the memory of his late friend and colleague, Tony Hall, who directed Dr. Feinsod's play, Table 17, in 2007. Our Town opened on April 13th and runs through April 24th. You can get your tickets now at nebraskarep.org. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.